Shinnisbury has been offered the South Carolina State head coaching job, but he's yet to accept. Now I'm getting a little curious. Why would that be? Oh, yeah, it's locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on podcast network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor and current contributing writer at USA Today's Saints Wire. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Starts with an S and ends with an S. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On College to get $20 off your first purchase. My voice is obviously feeling better. I'm pretty excited about it. Just want to get that out there. We'll wrap up today's episode with a look at Jawan Howell entering the transfer portal and why South Carolina State is ready for this. Prior to that, we'll be looking at a big one because I'm actually pretty excited about this one right here. And it's the possibility of an HBCU playoffs. But what could go wrong? Could we have a Florida State type situation if we started our own playoffs? But before any of that, Benedict College head coach Chinnis Berry has been offered the South Carolina State head coaching job now that Buddy Pugh has retired, but he has yet to accept it. Why is that? They said that the university is waiting on him. What is the holdup? That's my question. What are we waiting for? Now, I looked at this HBCU game day article, and I understand that it only reported yesterday. I understand that. That's when the news broke. But if you read the article, it says that Barry was offered this job a week ago. So it's been a week of him knowing that the job was on the table. Why hasn't he accepted? I can't be the only one curious about the holdup because a lot of people almost made this a foregone conclusion. A lot of people said, all right, buddy's retiring at the end of the year. At the end of the year, you'll give it to Barry. And I mean, we knew this because Pew said he was going to retire before the season. So we've been talking about this for three months at this point. Barry to Pew just made sense. Matter of fact, I heard people saying Barry should be the successor to Pew before Pew even said that he was retiring. So this felt like a foregone conclusion. So the question comes up again. What is the holdup? Now, I think the easiest thing, if you want to deflect and say, Darian, you're making a big deal out of nothing. Okay, maybe so. But the first thing that people say, the contract hasn't even been approved. It would have to be approved at the Board of Trustees meeting. That was December 7th or will be December 7th. I read the article. Not buying that. I'm not buying that, right? I think that's a poor excuse on why this hasn't been officially announced. Because to me, 
if it was just about clearing the contract, if it was just about making sure that it was passed through, then you would hear that he has accepted the offer and they're waiting for the board of trustees to approve the contract. That's why I'm not hearing that. And it's not like he's a controversial figure. Why would they not approve his contract? This is not an Art Brile situation where, yeah, Art is going to be our offensive coordinator, but we have to go through a couple of people and, you know, Art's got a shady past. This isn't that. This is Chinnis Berry. I don't know any skeletons. Well, obviously, I ain't, I ain't in that man's closet. I don't know what's in his closet, right? But there's no skeletons outside of the closet. I'll say that. If he has any skeletons, they're neatly tucked away in a place where we can't see them and the board probably won't either. So I expect him to get it passed through if that was the case. So I'm not accepting we want to wait to December 7th, but I won't apply a lot of pressure. I'll tell you what I think it is, and I don't think this is being messy. There's two options to me. Either A, there's other jobs out there that he's considering, or B, maybe he doesn't even know if he wants to leave Benedict College yet. You want to know what job is open that we weren't expecting to be open at the beginning of the year when we first started having this discourse? The Southern Jaguars. I didn't expect Eric Dooley to be out of town that fast. And I don't think a lot of people expected Dooley to be out of town that fast. Even the Jaguar fans who were asking for him to get out, I think they expected coming into the year that things were going to be better, that the offense was going to be more productive. I believe that that was the the tone around Dooley going into year two in Baton Rouge, right? But it didn't happen. And now he's gone prior to being the Benedict college head coach. He was a Southern assistant head coach and then also offensive coordinator. All right. So this is important here because yeah, we always say that South Carolina state to, uh, to, to tennis Berry makes sense, right? We always say that. It's a foregone conclusion. It just makes sense for South Carolina State to go get Chinnis Berry. Yeah, it does. But is it a foregone conclusion that it makes sense for Chinnis Berry to go to South Carolina State? Now, that's two different situations. It makes perfect sense for the school. He's familiar with the state. He's recruited there with BC. It's, it's common sense. It's almost a seamless fit. But for Berry, I bounced all the way around. I've been around in the MEAC. I've been in the SWAC. I've been in the SEAC. Like, I've been in multiple conferences. I've been in North Carolina. I've been in South Carolina. I've been in uh, Louisiana. I'd have been in Virginia. I'd have been in, in, in Maryland. Like, I've been everywhere. I might not feel tied to South Carolina, per se. Maybe I want to go to Houston. Huh? I heard that Texas Southern is in the mix. Maybe I'm intrigued by that. Maybe I'm intrigued by the Texas pipeline because I know that South Carolina State has some dogs. I know that Louisiana has some dogs. We all know that Texas has some dogs. Maybe I feel like Houston, Texas is a rich place for my recruiting. It wouldn't be shocking. These are all things that are on the table. I'm not saying that he won't go to South Carolina State. But the fact that the job has been on the table for a week and he hasn't gladly accepted it yet. It tells me that at least, at the worst, Chinnis Berry is considering other options. If this was a slam dunk and this was the job that he always wanted, as soon as they offered it to him, he would have accepted it. Unless he's playing it up for more money. But let's let's just not put that in the air, right? So the other part of that is maybe he doesn't want to leave or doesn't know if he wants to leave Benedict College. 
See, here in HBCU land, we love a coach who never wants to leave the MEAC, never wants to leave the SWAC, never wants to leave A&T, Hampton, Tennessee State. We would love that. We look at that as like the pinnacle of coaching, right? Because at the end of the day, coaching is a ladder. It is. Everybody's on a climb, and where their pinnacle is is where their pinnacle is. Some people want to get to a certain section and then stop. Like I'm sure there's a high school coach who's wildly successful, who has college schools offering him some sort of position that would be an elevation from high school head coach. But he prefers the high school format. Maybe he feels like it's more ground level. Maybe he feels like he can touch the kids on that level in a way that he couldn't in college because they're a little bit more malleable when you're talking about 14-year-olds as opposed to 19 to 21-year-olds. Maybe you're, you're thinking in that way. Right. He can be more of a mentor in high school. There's a lot of things. Maybe his pinnacle is he wants to stay within this community. That's his pinnacle of coaching for him. And he's gladly going to stay there. Or maybe. This guy says, Chinnis Berry being this guy says, I like Benedict College and I want to continue to elevate B.C. I know that it's Division Two. I know there's not the SWAT. I know it's not the MEAC. I know it's not FCS football. But I love Division two football. I've heard people say how much they love Division three football because the love of the game is just different. Right. So maybe these things are different. Coaching is a ladder, but I'm not one to determine where somebody's pinnacle is. I'm not one to determine where your ladder stops. Maybe you want to be a power five head coach. Matter of fact, I've heard people kind of link Willie Simmons before it was to USF, I believe. But now I've heard it to Tulane. Not power five, but group of five. That will be continuing to climb a ladder. I don't know what people want to do. Maybe going D1 or going FCS isn't the biggest deal to him. He's obviously considering it. He ain't turned it down. But I see Southern on the line. I see Texas Southern on the line. And I already hear by many sources that South Carolina State has offered him the job and has been on the table for a week. Now, with my luck, by the time I press send and press publish, he'll probably announce he's going to South Carolina State an hour later. But if he hasn't, tomorrow we'll be looking at him as one of the potential candidates for Texas Southern because we're going into a new era. That's just a little bit of a tease on what you can expect for tomorrow's episode. But for today's episode, we're going to look at the HBCU playoffs and what could be potentially wrong if they were to start to form an HBCU playoffs as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time, and Game Time is the best place for all of your last-minute ticket deals. Let's say you want to go to, I'm staying in the, in close to the DFW area, right? Maybe I want to go to a Mavericks game. Maybe I want to go to a Cowboys game. But I'm sitting here like it's Thursday. These Mavs tickets, they, you know, they play tomorrow. I got to go ahead and get me some. I'm going to go to Game Time. Because everybody else is going to charge me an arm and a leg. Meanwhile, I can kick up my legs and just go to Game Time's app, find it. Okay, best price available. Boom, click it. And if you can find a better price in the same section on the same row from another place, Game Time is willing to pay back 110% on the difference. So procrastination typically kills, but today you've been resuscitated. All you have to do is go to Game Time. Go to the Game Time app and use the code Locked On College, and you'll get twenty dollars off your first purchase. That's downloading the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On College for twenty dollars off your first purchase. 
as we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day. Remember that anytime I stop speaking, you can go to Locked on Sports today and be a part of the 24-7 um, podcast stream all day, every day, never, ever stops. But you know what else doesn't stop? The idea of expansion. People are always talking about it. And matter of fact, it seems as if, and I know that we're not expanding Celebration Bowl. This isn't even me campaigning for it. But it seems as if black college football is the only section of sports that isn't determined by a playoff. That's what it feels like, right? Obviously, all pro sports and an individual, that doesn't count, right? Like, that's that's not the same. And even then, track and field isn't a playoff. But the way that they have heats and then they build to the semifinal, it's almost tournament-esque. It's not a tournament, but it's almost tournament-esque, right? So you're looking at the majority of sports, they're determined by some sort of playoff tournament type of type of situation. Meanwhile, Black College Football has a celebration bowl. And I love the celebration bowl, right? And, and, I, and we're actually getting into what's wrong or what could go wrong with a playoff situation. So this is not me advocating to get rid of the celebration boat. It's not even me advocating to expand. This is just me looking at what could be the situation. Would the HBCU playoffs run into a Florida state type of situation if they were to expand into a playoff? Let's first go over what a Florida state situation is, right? So if you're looking at the college football playoffs, the ones who made it were Michigan, um, Who's second? Who's second? Washington, Texas, and Alabama, right? Those were four of the Power Five champions. The fifth Power Five champion was Florida State. Now, this is so controversial because Michigan was undefeated. Washington was undefeated. Bama had one loss. Texas had one loss. But Florida State was also undefeated. Seemingly, that should put them as a Power Five champion that's undefeated in line to be in that playoff system. But they weren't. And to me, that was the wrong call. But I think it comes down to the four best teams versus the four most deserving teams. To me, if you go undefeated, you are undoubtedly, unless there's somebody else who is, unless you have five undefeated teams, which we hadn't seen and we're never going to see because they're going to expand now. If you have five undefeated conference champions, obviously one had to be left off. But that was a flaw in the system from the jump, if you ask me. Right. But you got passed up as an undefeated champion for two teams with one loss. Basically, not to go too deep because this is not that situation. Check out Locked On uh, SEC, Locked On ACC, Locked On Big 12, Locked On Longhorns. Oh, my God, Jonathan, right? You can check out Locked On. Check out Locked On ACC with my girl Candace Cooper. I'm tripping. Yeah. So I got some people on here who are really going to dive into this topic. But that's not what we're doing here. I've given you the baseline of what the issue is. Best teams versus most deserving teams. And the reason they left out Florida State is because a quarterback had an injury. So that's the, the, the point on why they weren't able to make it. Right? So could you run into that situation with an HBCU playoffs? That's something that should be taken into account. Because always expanding is not always a good thing. The Celebration Bowl, to me, has a good thing going. Taking the MEAC champion, taking the SWAC champion, it's simple. You know the guidelines. You're very clear on who's going to be in it. There's no controversy. None of that. 
But once you expand to four teams, how do we make it to four teams? If you expand the Celebration Bowl into four teams, how do you make it to four teams? Am I taking two from the SWAC, two from the MEAC? No matter what? Okay, let's say you do that. Am I taking one and two from the MEAC? That's obvious because they don't have a division. They only have a conference, right? That's obvious. So I'm going to take I'm gonna take uh, Howard in North Carolina Central. Clear as day, right? But let's look at the SWAC. Am I going to take the East champ and the West champ? Or am I going to take the two teams with the best record? Now, this year, that's the same thing. But we got to think about this. If you're taking an HBCU celebration bowl and you're expanding into an HBCU playoffs, you're going to take four teams. Obviously, you're going to take two from the MEAC and two from the SWAC if you choose to do it that way. I'm going to take the top two from the MEAC. That's easy money. But then when I get to the SWAC, am I going to take the West Division champion and the East Division champion? Because the two years prior to this, the two best teams were not in separate divisions. The two best teams were both in the East. So you're not taking the four best teams. And I don't even know if you're taking the four most deserving teams, if we're going to be honest. Because FAMU and Jackson State were the two best teams, and they were the most deserving teams. But if you're just going to take an East champ and a West champ, then to me, you might as well just go ahead and run with the SWAG championship game, force the MEAC to have a championship game, and then have them meet in the middle in Atlanta on the same date. That does work. Like, that does work. If you just have the MEAC championship on the same day as the SWAC championship and have that be like the quarterfinals, it does work logically. But I don't find it as fun. I don't. But if you spice it up, now how do I decide how to get to four? Do I just take the four best teams between the MEAC and the SWAC? What if three of the best teams come from the MEAC one year? What if three of the best teams come from the SWAC one year? Am I going to just stay kind of hard set on two and two? Are we going to stay hard set on having an even distribution? I'm not sure if that's even the best call to make. Because what if I think Morgan State is better than Prairie View, better than Alabama State, or yeah, Alabama State or Alcorn, right? Because Alcorn and Prairie View actually have the two best SWAC records. Once again, best versus most deserving. I think that Alabama State is a better team than Prairie View. I do. I think that, and I know they lost. I know they lost the game, but I think if they play multiple times, I do personally feel like Alabama State is the better team. I think Alabama State is a better team than Alcorn. I think Alabama State is the second best team in the SWAC this year, in my personal opinion. But they have the fourth best, fourth best record. I think Alcorn is better than Prairie View. Like it's it's just certain things, right? But PV. It's, it's a close it's a close thing, right? I feel like I'm just taking shots at PV now. But overall, the point is, once you get into expansion, then it gets a little bit different. Then it becomes how do we decide who we pick to make our four? Obviously, the top teams are the top teams. We get one and one. Howard, one. FAMU, one. Clear as new glass. But once you get into three and four, and then how do you distribute it? Am I going to have MEAC versus MEAC, SWAC versus SWAC to make sure that I have a conference versus conference? Maybe I have, because to me personally, I think there's an idea to where you do SWAC versus MEAC, SWAC versus MEAC, and then whoever meets in the middle meets in the middle. That's exciting to me, right? So it, it's all of these things. These are also the things that could go wrong because once you get into maybe having five teams that are there, now you get into controversy. 
once you get into having three teams who deserve to be there, maybe and one who really doesn't, now it gets ugly. How do you get to four? Once you answer that question and feel confident about your plan, then we can start discussing an expansion. But I like the Celebration Bowl as it is. It's easy. It's simple. And the guidelines aren't difficult to understand. Swack champ, MEAC champ, ATL, mid-December. Matter of fact, that's next week. So go ahead and look out for that next week. We're going to be all on Celebration Bowl coverage. As we continue with Locked on HBCU today, we'll be looking at Juwan Howell and why South Carolina State can actually afford his departure as we continue with Locked on HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn, and LinkedIn Jobs is here to help you with all of your small business hires. And I understand that nowadays, a small business hire can feel like a high-stakes wager. It doesn't matter that, hey, that person's resume says this, that, and the third. What about the team chemistry? What about the cohesion that could come from actually knowing who you're hiring? Because just because you're hiring somebody in this department doesn't mean they won't affect or touch people in that department in this department, in that department. And now the whole team morale is down. Now the whole office is just toxic space. Now nobody can really operate at peak max, uh, maximum ability, right? So these are all things you have to take into account. And these are all things that you can find out through LinkedIn Jobs, right? So go to LinkedIn Jobs, or excuse me, LinkedIn.com slash college. That is LinkedIn.com slash college. And when you use the code, um, when you use the purple hashtag hiring frame, excuse me, you'll get to post your job for free. So go to linkedin.com slash locked on college. As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day, making all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. Thank you. Thank you. Juwan Howe entering the transfer portal is a tough blow, but I think the South Carolina State is ready and prepared for it in a way that most people wouldn't be able to. So how stud running back, man. Like when you look at what he was able to do in his freshman year, first team all MEAC, freshman of the year, 102 carries, 809 yards, uh, seven touchdowns. So you're looking at nearly eight yards a pop. You're looking at a touchdown almost every 15 carries. That's a really good rate for a guy who was sharing the backfield for a large amount of time. And I still remember when he came onto the scene. I'm sitting here watching the the Swag Miak Challenge in Week Zero, Jackson State, South Carolina State. I have question marks about Corey Fields. I wonder if he can elevate to a certain level. I have question marks about T.C. Taylor. What is he like as a coach? What is this Jackson State roster? And two things that I walked away from were saying that running back's good and that running back's good. One was Irv Mulligan, who was on pace to be a Swag Player of the Year type of player, and then the other one was Jawan Howe. And I said, that guy's really good. He didn't touch the ball as much, but that guy's really good. And he was actually the only thing, I think it might have been one of two things that I felt good about when looking at the Bulldogs in their first game. And he didn't stop being that. Matter of fact, he only hit his peak at the end of the year. At the end of the season, his last five games, because he didn't play the last two, his last five games, he had 100 total yards in every single game and a touchdown. His last three games, he never caught the ball. 
had over 100 yards rushing and culminated in a 283-yard, almost a record-setting performance in his last game as a South Carolina State Bulldog. That is a legendary way to go out. Hopefully he doesn't go out, but anytime you enter the transfer portal, I kind of feel like you are. This move did kind of surprise me, but it didn't shock me, and it shouldn't shock you either. If you ever see an HBCU player have a great year, look for him to hit the transfer portal. It's a very sad reality, but it is reality. Whenever an HBCU player has a great year, I look for him to hit the portal, and I'm thankful when he doesn't, but I'm never surprised when he does. Like I I'm not going to sugarcoat it for y'all. I'm going to speak real. I'm going to be honest with you. If you don't think that this is a possibility, and I'm not saying that I'm advising everybody to do it, but if you've watched enough, and I've only been here for three years covering the sport closely, every single year I feel like somebody has entered the portal after a hot year. Everybody, right? But Shul Tootin did it last year. Um, Isaiah Land did it the year before, right? Like, Or I guess that was both last year. No, no, this was, yeah, Land did it going into 2022. Tootin did it going into 2023. Like you see it repeatedly where this thing just keeps happening, keep happening, keep happening. And now Jawan Howell is doing it going into 2024. I don't knock him, though. I don't knock him. Now, one thing I will say is that South Carolina State is more prepared than other people would be because they have other running backs. Jawan Howell was the top of the, of the, of the group. But they have other guys. And you look at the two games that he was out at the end of the year. Let's go through the numbers in those games. So against Norfolk State, TJ Smith had over 80 yards. Tyler Smith had over 70 yards. Josh Shaw had 69, so he almost crossed that 70-yard threshold. But he crossed it the year or the week prior against Morgan State, a much better rushing defense. So you're looking at three more productive running backs that could, with a larger workload, they'll probably see a larger production rate as well. So now you have one less mouth to feed. And maybe the fact that he had so many people to share the backfield with was one of the reasons that he left. I don't know. I don't speculate and I don't criticize on people's decisions to leave in the portal. I'll see where he goes and then maybe we'll have a conversation, but probably not because I'm not operating like that. And I just don't feel like that's best serving and best using my energy to go into that. Um, one thing I will say is that if Chinnisberry does come, to South Carolina State, he's known for getting the best out of running backs. Whether that's Jawan Howell or whether that's the two Smiths and a Shaw, we'll see two Smiths and a Shaw sounds like it could be something. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Two Smiths and a Shaw. South Carolina State, pick some up on that now. Pick some up on that. I, I ain't going to do nothing with it, but two Smiths and a Shaw should be something. That being said, anywho. He's known for getting the best out of running backs. Maybe that brings Howell back. Jawan Howell on the Chinnisberry, who knows how to run the rock, how to get running backs to run the rock. If you thought Howell in 2022 as a true freshman, or in 2023 as a true freshman, was scary. Just imagine that. Oof. Oof. Anyway, tomorrow we'll be looking at the transfer portal because my guy Andrew Body has entered the portal. Look. I'm going to support him wherever you go because I think he's talented. Him leaving Texas Southern ain't going to change that for me. But I will say this, him leaving, in addition to the coach leaving, makes this a new era, and we'll look at all of that on tomorrow's episode. But in the meantime, in between time, until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care.
Stay blessed. Peace.